If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me the book of James, the third chapter, and we're going to read verse 2 down through verse 5. And I've got a lot of scriptures tonight. I hope I didn't scare our audio-video folks when I turned those in because there's probably at least 25, 30, 40 scriptures. I doubt if we'll get to all of them. But we're starting off in James, the third chapter, in verse 2. It says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they are be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now I'm going to stop there and we're going to read some more in a little bit, but I want to preach to you from a little song we used to sing when I was a kid in Sunday school. And it went something like this. Some of y'all are going to recognize it and might even help me sing it. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. There's a father up above looking down in peace and love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Then it talked about the ears, what you hear. But there was one of them that I'm going to be teaching on tonight. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Because there's a father up above looking down in peace and love. So be careful, little mouth. What you say, that's the title of my message. Oh, be careful, little mouth, because that little tongue can defile the whole body. Notice in verse 6 now, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue, everybody say the tongue, can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Everybody say, I cannot tame my tongue. Somebody wondered why and asked the question, well, why did God choose speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost? And I, I've, I answered that question many times taught in home Bible studies and people would ask that question, why, why tongues? And I answer it two ways with two answers. Number one, God is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants to do. So if that's what he wanted to do, then that's what he wanted to do and that's what he did. And we just accept it. But if there is a reason behind it, I believe it's this. If God can control the most unruly little member of our body that can defile the whole body, then he surely can control all the rest of us. So he takes control of that little tongue that kindleth the great fire and fills us with the Holy Ghost and takes control of it and begins to speak through us other languages. And then he says, now, if I can control that, that's like the bit in the horse's mouth. That old 2,000-pound horse going to walk down the road and turn the way you say because of that bit that is in his tongue. And that huge ship on the sea will go the way the governor listeth because of that little rudder. So we understand how important this is. 
Therefore, bless we God. Now, now James is letting us, he's kind of giving us a little lesson here. We bless God, even the Father, and therewith the same tongue we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Now, James is going to teach us something here. Can, do the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish there's nothing quite as devilish as a tongue uncontrolled by the spirit of God I want to teach tonight on the important role the tongue has concerning unity in the body Notice what he says in these last few verses if you have bitter envying and strife where in your hearts, glory not. And then he says, lie not against the truth. Why did he link the heart and the tongue with what we believe or what we have in our heart? Because the Bible said, with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible tells us from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So you say, well, it doesn't really matter what I say. Oh, yes, it does. It matters much what we say. The book of Proverbs tells us that, the, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Understanding that, and he goes on to say, and, and uh, they that, that talks about love it will eat the fruit thereof. In other words, what you love or what is in your heart is going to eventually come out of your mouth. You don't have to be around somebody very long that loves to go fishing and they're talking about fishing. Matter of fact, I came up on a truck today. The back bumper sticker said, uh, fishing is not a matter of life and death. It's much more important than that. I, I guarantee you spend five minutes with that guy driving that truck, he's going to be talking about fishing. You can tell what somebody's heart is and where it is by what they begin to speak about. Amen? And, and so we need to understand that if we have a heart of faith, a heart of truth, a heart of love, a heart of obedience, a heart of joy, that's going to come out of our mouth. But if we get bitterness and envy and strife and anger and murmuring and complaining and grumbling in our heart, if that's what your heart's made up of, that's what's going to be coming out of your mouth eventually. No, notice this. Life and death. You know, God said in his word that he said, I set before you good and evil, life and death. Choose the good that you may live. Every one of us tonight have a choice on what we're going to do, what we're going to say, what we're going to believe. We can be a unifier or we can be a divider. We can be a lover or we can be a hater. Come on, we can be a faith person or we can be a doubting Thomas. It's all up to us what we decide we're going to do. It seems like some people get a joy out of pulling other people down, accusing, judging, running down, anything. And, and I think sometimes it's because they have little self-confidence and they don't know how to lift themselves up so they have to put others down to make themselves look big. But I believe that God has never chosen us to be those that destroy others. But he has given the church, the body of Christ, the ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of edification. 
When we read in the fourth chapter of, of Ephesians about the, the uh, five-fold ministry, said that God gave some uh, pastors, some teachers, some evangelists, some apostles, some prophets for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. You see, God gives us the pulpit ministry to equip the saints or perfect them, to fully equip them for the ministry of edification, that we edify one another, encourage one another. The word edify means to build up, and you can't build up by talking down. You cannot encourage people by discouraging them. You cannot build faith. Now, we know that faith comes by what? Hearing. But if we hear the wrong stuff, doubt can come just the same way. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. But how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent? So we need to hear what the word of God says, not what the word of the devil says. The pastor preaches faith, and we're going to see great move of God. You know, I can, I, I, I just know because a pastor long enough, you're going to have a certain percentage sitting there, yeah, we've heard this before. That's what they're thinking up here or in here, and that's bad enough. But what makes that even worse is when they speak it out here. How many times have we heard that? Oh, well, that, that's just my spouse. Well, dear God, you want them to be just as corrupt as you are? You want them to be a doubter like you? We have a choice. We can build up one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another, or we can tear down one another. We can be edifiers or we can be accusers. But I promise you something. The Bible said Satan uh, sits around uh, uh, where the angels of God are and even at the throne of God at times and accuses the brethren. If you're an accuser of the brethren, you are working for the devil. Come on, you've got a choice. But the Bible said Jesus is there making intercession for the saints of God. Well, hallelujah. You can either intercede for the saints and be on God's side doing the work of God or you can destroy and accuse your brothers and sisters and do the work of the devil. And it all boils down to this. This little member, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you speak because not only can it cause evil things it can cause good things the more we speak it the bible said the that that the word of faith is nigh you even in your mouth amen the bible said with the heart man believeth but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation or unto deliverance when we begin to believe truly believe it we'll confess it with our tongue and great things can happen I want to take you real quickly back to Genesis 11th chapter and um, I'm going to kind of lay a little foundation of something that is a good thing to know. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there and they said one to another, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. This was the beginning of humanism, by the way. The religion of humanism. It's all about us. It's all about me, and I can do my own thing. We'll make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face. What did God tell them to do after the flood? Be fruitful and multiply and scatter throughout the whole earth. Fill the earth. Replenish the earth. But they're saying, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to do what God said. We're going to do what we want to do, and we're going to build a tower that can reach unto heaven. And if God does try to destroy the earth again by flood, we'll just climb up into our little salvation tower. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. Sounds like bad grammar. 
All you English majors know that that should be the people are one. But they were so united, Pastor, that he said they is one. The people is one. Singular. Not the, the plural verb are, but singular. The people is one. And they all have one language. And this they begin to do. And now... Everybody say now. Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. This is a powerful lesson. God himself is saying if these people are so united because of their, their speaking the same thing and believing the same thing and they've got one language that they can build this tower to heaven. He said there's nothing that's going to restrain them if they keep this unity of voice and unity of spirit. And so God says what I'm going to do, I'll go down and confuse them and confound their languages. I can see somebody saying, I need a brick, and it comes out in some language, and the guy just looks at it. Do what? He said, he didn't know what he said. And they all began, to, and eventually, you know what they did? They found somebody that spoke the same language they did, and they went off with them, and God spread them all out just like he intended to do. We've been hearing a lot about the importance of unity in the body of Christ and unity in the church. But I'm going to tell you, you can talk unity and act unity and, and say I'm going to be united and we can preach it till we're blue in the face. But until you begin to speak unity, what we say can either cause us to be united or it can cause us to be divided. God had to destroy their unity to keep them from doing whatever they wanted. What was that? He destroyed their communication. But the Bible tells us, uh, we go back there, the Bible said that they were unified in heart and voice, the tongue, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. That, that's the connection. There can be no true unity in the body of Christ unless we are speaking the same thing. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that we're all, you know, if you get a church of 100 or 200 people, everybody's going to believe exactly everything perfectly exactly the same. I'm not talking about that. We can disagree about certain things or opinions that people may have and still be agreeable. But some people can believe Acts 2.38, but they'll argue about it to somebody else and say, well, I, I believe it's in there and I saw it in the Bible, but I don't believe that's really necessary. I remember when we first started church up in North Vernon, Indiana, 50 years ago, it's been now this year, and we had a little handful of people and just about time we started seeing a few, you know, somebody started getting the Holy Ghost. Sister Marcia was one of the, one of the first ones to receive the Holy Ghost there, just a young 12, 13-year-old, 12, 12 years old. You can add 12 to 50 and figure that out, can't you? <laughs> I didn't tell you her age, though. And uh, God began to bless. People started getting the Holy Ghost. We started baptizing people. The church started growing from from. July that, of that year, 1971, that we went there in our first service, we had 10 on Sunday morning. And Sunday night, we had seven. Four of them was my family. <laughs> but between that July and October, we wound up having 92 in Sunday school and people started getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. But when it happens, don't, don't think the devil's just going to sit down on his haunches and, and let that all, you know, oh yeah, y'all go ahead and have good revival. He started sending a few folks around that wanted to contradict what the pastor was preaching. And they were going around telling some folks, oh, this isn't necessary. 
And what Brother Carson's preaching, that's not necessary. And, and uh, don't y'all be deceived by that. And word got back to me. I'm going to tell you, he'll get back to the man of God. You start bucking, rising up, rebelling, and saying your own thing, causing division, spreading discord. And I remember we had a missionary with us, Brother Juan Alviar. He's always been a dear friend of mine for many years. And, and uh, I don't know if he was with us. I don't think he was at that time. But I, I, I called him up or talked to him or he might have been visiting around an area where I saw him. And I, I just didn't have anybody to talk to. And I, I said, Brother Alviar, here's what's happened. He said, you mean those, that family's causing division in your church while God's trying to bless and send revival? I said, yes. He said, I'll tell you what to do. I said, okay, tell me. Now, I'm 23 years old, first time ever pastor. I didn't know what to do. So I asked this older man of God, and he's a missionary. He's coming out of Brazil where they just say, this is how it's going to be. If you don't like it, too bad. And so... Uh, we're not a democratic America. <laughs> and so he said, meet them at the door this next Sunday and tell them they're not welcome. Don't let them come in. I won't get the, the most popular pastor award this year if I do something like that. No, just say, stop them at the door and say, you can't come. So I did. I stood there at the door when they walked up the steps and I blocked the entrance. I said, you folks cannot come to church here anymore. Well, why not? I said, because you're rebelling against what I've been teaching and you're sowing discord among the brethren and we cannot contend with that. It's against the word of God. And we can't have the revival God wants us to have and be united while part of the congregation is saying something different from the direction God had given the man of God. He said, Brother Carson, weren't you scared? I was scared to death. But some, suddenly God gave a little 23-year-old boy a, a, a holy boldness, and I told him that. He he. he rebelled right there and said, uh, I can come to church anytime I want to. I can come to this town anytime I want to. I said, come on anytime you want to, but you won't come in these doors. So he turned around and walked off. God went on and blessed the church. We had great revival. More souls started coming in. See, the thing about it, he was kin to a lot of people that came to the church too. This family was. And I figured they'd pull them all out, but they didn't. But about a year later, they came to me and said, Brother Carson, would it be possible we come back to church? I said, you can come back to church as long as you don't rebel against and cause division in the church. Don't rebel against what I preach. If you don't agree with it, that's all right. You don't have to agree with what I preach. Just don't go spreading and trying to confuse other people with your disagreement. He said, we'll never do that again. They came to that church. Long story short, their children all got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Their grandchildren got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. They became faithful saints in that church. He wound up years later being a trustee in our church, and they were just precious people, would bring us groceries. Sometimes God just lay on their heart and bring. And God blessed that family. Part of that family is still in that church today, serving the Lord, living for God, faithful members of the church. And I got a, I got a phone call not too long after that, after I returned. Uh, resigned the church there 16 years later. And the son to this lady and her husband called me and said, Brother Carson, I was preaching a revival in Cincinnati, Ohio. And they called and said, my mom is in the hospital. Not, Don't look like she's going to make it, but she's called and asked, would you come? So I drove from Cincinnati, Ohio to Columbus, Indiana. And I walked into that room, and she had all the tubes and everything in her nose and just barely hanging on. And 
I got down close to there and she motioned for me to get nearer and I got closer to her. She, she, I could hear what she had to say. She said, Brother Carson, I just wanted to ask you to come so I could apologize and tell you I'm sorry. And I said, Sister, you don't have anything to apologize about. I, that, that's way back years ago, and I, that's all under the blood, and I've forgotten all about that. And I forgave you a long time ago for that. She said, you may have, but I know what I need to get right in my own heart. I want to know for my sake that you forgive me. I said, I forgive you. And I turned around, walked out of that room, and her son told me, called me just a little while later, and said, Brother Carson, when you walked out, Mama lost consciousness and never spoke again, and just a little while later, she died. But she held on till she could get her pastor back in there and say, I'm sorry that I ever spoke evil, that I ever rebelled, that I ever... And, and, and folks, let me tell you something. God marks these things down. God sees all of this. We've got to understand that our unity is no stronger than what we speak. Our unity is not truly there if what we say causes division and causes pain or causes hurt or causes confusion. God's not the author of confusion. He had to destroy their unity in order for them to spread out and do what he said he would do. Understand, there's, I said I got a lot of scriptures. I'm going to try to get to as many of them as I can. 1 Corinthians 1 and chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 1 and verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. I know, like I said, we're not all going to believe everything just exactly right. But when we speak, let's speak the same thing, Pastor. Let's speak the same thing. I can see, you know, I, I know how it is. I, I took a church in New Mexico and had old dark brown paneling on both sides of the wall and it was so dark and dreary and ugly I decided one day I'm going to paint it white you'd have thought I'd, I had dropped the holy grail and busted it into a thousand pieces yeah got word that one of the most faithful men in the church was all bent out of shape and upset and he wasn't going to come to church no more because that new preacher painted that church white and said he and the old pastor put all that brown paneling up there many years ago. I found out about it and I went to him. I said, brother, Meet me down at Daylight Donuts. I'm telling you, a donut and cup of coffee can settle a lot of problems. So we'd sit down at the table, and I got him a donut and a cup of coffee, and I ate a donut and a cup of coffee, and we was on a level ground. I said, I heard you got a little upset about me painting the church. Well, brother, he said it bothered me. I'm going to tell you, it bothered me because uh, me, me and the former pastor, we put all that paneling up there years ago. And I said, I know. And it's a beautiful job y'all did. But I said, it just seemed like it closed the church in. And now, since we painted it white, it just seems like it opened it all up and made it bigger and brighter. And he said, well, I guess you're probably right there. But it just bothered me because, you know, change is hard to take. Come on, I said change sometimes is rough. Amen. And we got a new pastor now, and he's been changing a lot of things. <laughs> Praise God. And everybody ain't happy about it, I guarantee you. Yeah. But you better be careful, little mouth, what you say. Because what you say can either build somebody up or it can tear somebody down. Woo. So, understanding that, let's all speak the same thing. Notice what, let's speak the same thing 
and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How can we be perfectly joined together, Pastor, in the same mind and the same judgment if we don't speak the same thing? But he said, this is how it's going to happen. We're going to speak the same thing. For it's been declared to me by you, brethren, uh, that, that some of you of the house of Chloe, I'm sorry, Sister Chloe, but of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. And he says, is Christ divided? Well, we're going to, there's always going to be certain preachers we like better than others. You got your own one you like. We'll have several evangelists come through, and you'll say, I like that one. But you hear about another one, well, I think I'll stay home. I don't care for his. No. Come on, this ain't no smorgasbord. This ain't no a buffet where you get to choose what you want. Come on, this is all about the kingdom of God. Come on, if we want the kingdom of God, if we want revival here on the corner of Union and Creasy, we've got to see that we speak the same thing, that we believe the gospel, that we encourage faithful unity. Paul got so aggravated, he said, was I crucified for you? <laughs> or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What's wrong with you folks? He said, who is Paul? And who, is, who is Apollos? But ministers, we're just, we're just servants. And we're not talking about false doctrine. And I'm going to tell you, there's a difference in baptizing in the Trinity and painting the walls white. There's a difference getting up and saying holiness isn't necessary and you don't have to have the Holy Ghost or you can get it without speaking in tongues and naming the church Star City Church. Praise God. As long as this man's obeying this gospel and preaching this truth like he has, God's going to keep blessing. People are going to still keep getting the Holy Ghost. God's not interested in what's on that sign. He's interested in what's in our heart and what's coming out of our mouths. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's look over here real quick. We got several things over Numbers, and I'm going to try to get through them quick as I can. But, but um, Numbers 11th chapter, verse 1 said, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. And the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. I'm going to tell you something. If you're living on the edge of the camp, if you're kind of out here one foot in the world, one in the church trying to half-heartedly live for God, you're in a danger zone. You need to wake up and say, you know what? I may not agree with everything, but I do believe the truth, and I'm going to believe God for revival and get right in the middle of this thing and say, this is where I'm going to be. Not going to catch me on the fringe. Not going to catch me amongst the complainers. I'm going to tell you, if somebody sits next to you and that's all they do is, well, where did you get that? I don't know. Stupidest thing I've ever seen. You need to move. I got Bible for it. Avoid them that cause division among you. <laughs> Is that Bible? Pastor, okay. Keep me in the book. Look at, look at Numbers 12. I mean, we, these folks, there was a reason they spent 40 years wandering, wandering around the wilderness. 
Numbers 12 and verse 1, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married. I'm going to tell you, if you're in leadership, whether you're the pastor or the youth pastor or the uh, music director or, or, or praise singer and, or anybody does anything in the church, you're a big target. You're going around the big bullseye target on you. And every old demon spirit that can get a hold of folks is going to throw darts at you. Murmur and complain and grumble and gripe and it, it wouldn't matter. You cannot find the perfect temperature in the church. You'll see somebody, I'll see my wife over here wrapped up like it's a, uh, she's an Eskimo and got on coats and sweaters and somebody right behind her sitting there just a fanning away. <laughs> You're not going to please everybody. Brother Don Johnson asked him one time, said, anybody that's too cold? And said, one lady over this side of church raised her hand. He said, is anybody too warm? Another lady on this side raised her hand. He said, y'all trade places. <laughs> Come on, I'm telling you, whatever we got to do to have unity in the body, quit being so nitpicky about every little old thing that doesn't please you. Woo! But the preacher usually gets the most criticism or his wife or his children. So everybody else, it was his own brother and sister of all things. Miriam and Aaron ought have known better. And they, they listened to that and they, the Bible said, then they, they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? Don't we know as much as that preacher? And then I hear it again. And the Lord heard it Miriam looks down doing her little frilly hand and all of a sudden it's white with leprosy Aaron looks up and her whole face is white and eaten up with leprosy I'm going to tell you it's a dangerous thing to touch God's anointed he said well I don't understand this I don't know well come talk to the man don't talk to somebody else and spread some kind of division. If you've got a problem, come talk to this man of God. Bible, it's Bible. Come sit down and let's come, come reason together. Amen. Just, just listen to what he has. And even then, if you don't understand it, that's all right because God has a special calling on a pastor that he lays things upon his heart and there may be a purpose and a reason that he himself doesn't even know why. He just knows that God said do it. I don't understand it myself. It's not necessarily what I would do myself. But when God says do it, you got a responsibility as a pastor to do what God says to do. Unless you're just like politicians, I'm going to do what everybody wants me to do and please everybody. Well, you see how much they please everybody. It doesn't work. This man has to please God. He has a responsibility. He doesn't need your criticism. He needs your prayers. Come on, I said he needs your prayers. It's hard enough to please your spouse. Why? Because you're two different people. Imagine trying to please a hundred spouses. <laughs> Some of y'all only got one kid and you can't hardly, no matter what you do, that kid thinks you did something wrong. They don't agree with you. How'd you like to have a 200 of them? Make them all happy. You're not going to make them all happy unless they've got a heartbeat toward God and a heart for revival. And then no matter what happens, hallelujah, God starts sending souls in and oh my. Woo, hallelujah. 
Nothing can pull a church together like a great move of the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, church, we, we, God, will, God hears it when we murmur, when we complain. He will not tolerate it. He will kill you with leprosy. He'll consume you with fire out of heaven if he has to. He'll make you fall over dead like Ananias and Sapphira. I don't want to stand in the way of the moving of the Holy Ghost. We need to pray and get the fear of God one more time in our hearts that's the beginning of wisdom if that man is wrong then God will take care of him it's not your place it's not my place I thought of the wise words of Gamaliel when the Sanhedrin wanted to take the apostles and beat them and command them not to preach anymore in the name and actually wanted to kill them and Gamaliel said, you better hold off. Because if, if this is of God, if it's not of God, he'll come to naught. But if it's of God, you're going to be fine fighting against God. I don't want God as an enemy. And I don't want the man of God as an enemy. Come on, who else is going to come to your house in the wee hours of the morning or the late night hour and come and pray for you? Not that televangelist. He don't care. Oh, but he blesses me so much. I sent him $20. And he sent me a piece of the tie that he preached in. <laughs> Honey, that guy's made more money off them ties. And he don't care about you. Don't even know your name. He's got a whole crew of 50 people working on all that stuff. Maybe more than that. You better thank God for a man of God that loves your soul enough to preach you the truth. Teach the word of God to you. 13th chapter, oh Lord. When they sent those spies over there and the Bible said that they came back saying, well, yeah, we'll admit it's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the giants. And, but Caleb, the Bible said in verse 30, stilled the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it oh God give us some more Caleb's uh, and give us some more uh, uh, Joshua's that will have a different spirit in them we don't need the naysayers and uh, oh I've fought that spirit so many times God give you a plan. God give you something exciting. You're going to do it, and God's going to be in it, and God is in it, and you get up and tell church, and then the first thing somebody hits you with, well, we've done tried that before. It didn't work. <laughs> I told you the other night, pastor I was preaching for, he, he asked me, he said, well, Carson, what's the key to having great revival? I know you had church, had great revival in your church. What was the key? I said, Prayer. And he told me, he said, oh, I tried that. We tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> you know, if I'd listened to that guy, I'd have just quit praying too. I'd been like the preacher went out there on the bridge try to get that guy uh, to, to not jump over in the river and commit suicide. He went out there and going to try to help him. And, and he said, come on, fella, it can't be that bad. Tell me what all's wrong. And he said after he got through telling him everything, both of them jumped off. <laughs> you listen, some people, they'll get you so down. then I've seen some people, they'd be on death's bed. You walk in the room, go to visit them at the hospital or nursing home, and you're going in there to try to encourage them, lift them up. And before you leave, they done encourage you and lifted you up. We have a choice what we're going to be, an edifier or an accuser. Come on, a doubter or a believer. Somebody who confesses the good or somebody who confesses the evil. Which are we going to be? 
You know the story. I'm trying to give you the Reader's Digest version. They all murmured against Moses and said, would to God we died in the wilderness. He said, okay, if that's what you wish for, that's what you're going to get. And for 40 years, they went around in circles in the wilderness when they were just a few miles away from the promised land until that whole generation died out except for Caleb and Joshua and did not get to enter in to the promised land. Folks, we don't have 40 years to waste. I say, let's get behind this man of God. Come on, let's get unified, not just in action, but in word. The role the tongue has in unity is so powerful. The Bible said in Proverbs 30 and 32, if you think evil, he said, if you just think evil, notice what he said, lay your hand on your mouth. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, lay your hand. First thing, if you think it, you're going next thing's gonna be speaking it. My Lord, if you think it, don't tell everybody what you think it. Keep your mouth shut and pray, God, give me victory over my thoughts. And then going back very quickly, and we're gonna close to the birth of the church, Acts 2 and verse 1. We all know it very well. And if you don't mind, I want to read something to you on the word accord. Well, the Bible said, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The word accord comes from the Greek word homothumadon, and it means with one mind, with one accord, with one passion. It's a unique Greek word used 10 of its 12 New Testament occurrences in the book of Acts. That's not coincidence. We could, we could go on and read all of them, but I, I just want you to look, listen to this meaning. It helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. Homothumadon is a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. Whew. To rush along and in unison. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded, which while different, harmonize in pitch and tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. Woo! Hallelujah! No matter what culture, no matter what race, no matter what size, no matter what uh, sexuality, whether you're a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, no matter all the differences, we are all members of that one body by that one spirit of God. And in harmony, oh, hallelujah, something powerful happens. How many's ever been to a symphony orchestra and heard heard it live? You ever been? Boy, I tell you, it's scary at first. You first get seated before the thing starts, before the uh, maestro gets up there with his baton or whatever that thing is. He, uh, that, that, they're all over there. And you're hearing a tuba, boom, 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 trombone. And everybody's doing their own thing, getting tuned up, and it's, it is total chaos. And I'm thinking, I paid good money to hear this. But brother, once they all got their little thing, they're all doing their own thing. You're talking about total confusion in the body when everybody's doing their own thing. 
But when the Holy Ghost through the man of God gets up and begins to direct that service and the Spirit of God begins to come down and people begin to get all in the right key, come on, and they're playing that instrument of this note is together with that note and it may be a different note but it's in perfect harmony. All of a sudden, wow, you're blown away by the beauty of what your ears are hearing. I'm telling you, God has got the greatest revival that our church has ever seen seen when we can get in harmony with one another and speak the same thing. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Woo. Hallelujah. I don't know how to explain it all. Uh, you, you can ask Brother Timothy or, or, or Sister Whitney. She can probably tell you, they can tell you how. But you can take that and make a chord with those five fingers on that keyboard. And every one of those notes is a different note. And you hit them together. And it makes a beautiful sound. Because there's certain notes, they all blend together and harmonize to make a chord. You add the wrong one in there. And you can tell it. I mean, it's it's like somebody scratching the blackboard with their fingernails. But if we tonight as a body of believers, even though we may all be hitting a different note, if we can stay in the same scale, if we can stay in the same chord, come on, if we can stay in a chord. <laughs> We're going to make some beautiful music. Come on, God's getting ready to do some marvelous things. You're going to start seeing your loved ones coming to God. You're going to start seeing uh, the backsliders coming back to God because nobody wants to come where there's a bunch of division, where there's a bunch of murmuring and grumbling and complaining about it. People want to come where there's joy, where there's happiness, where there's anointing, where there's the power of the Holy Ghost operating. Oh, let me, let me quickly go through a few things. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. and They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Is anybody ready to see those Miracles and those signs and wonders and healings and folks filled with the Holy Ghost get in one accord. That you may, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 through 12, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. This is Romans 15 and 6. One mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally and lastly, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now, everybody say now, hath God set the members, every one of them in the body. If you believe you're a part of this great body of Christ, I want you to stand to your feet right now and say, God put me in this body. God put me in this body as it pleased him. Whoo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now are they many members, but 
yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. And in closing in verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. No schism. That's where we get the word schizophrenic. When people have multiple personalities. We shouldn't be one shouting and shaking hands with the pastor and say, oh, love you, pastor. Oh, man, what a great message. And then walk out the door and tell somebody, else, that's the worst preaching i ever heard in my life. <laughs> Dear God. Come on. You're a spiritual schizo. I know that's probably not politically correct, but I never have been too good at that. We need to wake up and say, you know what? It's not going to be because of me that there's no unity in the body of Christ. I'm not going to cause that man no, no trouble. I'm not going to cause him any loss of sleep. I made up my mind, and, and Saturday we're going to pass the mantle officially to this man of God, although he's already been pastor for a year. We're going, because we never got to do that thanks to crony virus. <laughs> but I made up my mind, Brother Robinson, every pastor does things his own way. And... uh would say things differently or do things differently, have different desires. But I made up my mind, as long as you preach the truth and stand on this great gospel, I'm going to follow you. That's what, that's what we do. You, you, you can paint these walls chartreuse green if you want to. We may have to wear sunglasses to church, but we're going to have church and we're going to stand behind you. Woo, hallelujah. He, he, he tried to convert me, gave me a whole bunch of socks with all kind of wild colors on them. I hardly ever wore anything but black, brown, and blue. And I find myself digging in that drawer and putting them, them loud color socks on and I'll, every once in a while I'll show him. You're rubbing off on me. That's a good thing. But I'm not going to cause this man any problem. And every one of us as saints of God need to make up our own minds. There'll be no evil spoken out of this mouth against this man of God, against his wife, against his children. And I'm going to take it a little further or against any of my brothers and sisters. Come on, we're going to love one another. Y'all remember my mama, some of you do, some of you never met her. But uh, everybody thought she's so sweet. Little Southern Belle, she's so sweet. But I remember many times she said, I know the Bible says you got to love people. She said, I know I love that person, but I don't like them. <laughs> but I tell you something, if she didn't like you, you'd know it. <laughs> Let's be real. We're not going to like everything about each other, but we can love each other. We're not going to agree with everything, but we can be agreeable. Because that's when we speak the unity that we should have in our hearts. Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord right now and say, God, give us that unity. In the name of Jesus, 
Bind us together, Lord, with cords that cannot be broken. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. Praise God. Amen. How many of you from this day forward, we're not going to worry about Paul said forgetting those things which are behind. Tonight you can start a brand new night. You can start a brand new day in your life. If you've murmured, if you've complained, if you've grumbled, and we all have at some time or another. But if by the grace of God and the strength and help of God, if you with me tonight will walk down to this aisle and say, by coming forward around the front of this church, I make a quality decision that I will not be a murmurer. I will not be a grumbler. I will not be a complainer. If God wants to send snow in July, I'll say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. No matter, we're going to do what we want to do by the grace of God to be united, to be together, to love one another, to encourage one another. Why don't you tonight make up your mind, I will be an encourager, not a discourager. I will lift people up, not put people down. I will stand behind my pastor and his family. I will love them and I will love the truth. And God will bless me and we will see the greatest revival that we've ever seen in our lives. In Jesus' name, lift your hands together. Lift your voices together. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we don't want to spend the next few years walking around in circles. God, we want to go together in unison. We want to rush together in unison to the great revival that you have in store for us, Lord. Jesus' name.